Home is important to me. It offers me a sense of stability and security, as for a lot of people. But I'm not really attached to a building. As I was raising my kids, I often found opportunities for us to go on adventures and go teaching, for instance, um, for a year in France or um, Western Africa in Francophone countries, because my husband is Francophone um, and teaches in the French language. But most of my family were not on board and I had to learn to make peace with staying here. Where we live is a beautiful place. And I do want to briefly touch today on home and relationship to home and also environment. So the land we live on, the history of the land, the um, the people, the cultures, and customs, um, the geography and climate, all of these things impact our experience of life, of course. They can bring a lot of joy to lot to our lives, even when, you know, some of the things that we're exploring are challenging, you know, like the history of the land that we live on is not always you know, lovely, right? But facing the truth is healing. So I want to talk about home today, coming home, home as sacred space and pouring love into our homes because what we pour in tends to spill over. Welcome. I'm Christo Riley Davidegui, founder of A Life in Progress ca and rebrandingmiddleage.com. I offer my work as a writer, grief and trauma-informed mind-body coach, and joyful living educator. My work is for freedom seekers, truth tellers, and stubborn questioners, highly sensitive souls, slow movers, and non-hustlers, the anxious, grieving, weary, and healing, reforming people pleasers, perfectionists, performers, and peacekeepers, and brave, messy, curious humans ready to quiet the conditioning and noise to reclaim freedom, wholeness, and joy. Glad you're here. So just before I get started, because I mentioned the land that I live on, I wanna tell you where I live. So I live and work on Treaty 6 territory the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, and uh, Nakoda Sioux, and home to the Métis Nation of Alberta. I might have missed something. Um, I live near mountains and lakes and in a very cold climate. And um, all of that has helped shape me, you know, shaped my practice of seasonal living and um, yeah, and shaped, you know, the foods that I love and how I move my body and the type of nature I'm exposed to, etc. I love home. I'm not a decorator. I do, I've never prioritized saving money or putting money into furnishings. We have a lot of secondhand 
um, a lot of stuff. I go to the local antique shop and pick things up. Um, I think it's a creative and warm space, but humble, definitely humble. Um, I love tiny homes. I'm fascinated by seeing how people live and, and where they live, especially smaller creative spaces. My husband and I have actually talked about the idea of living in a tiny home and decided that it's probably not good for our relationship. I need, a, I need space and some solitude. And second in Canada, it's challenging for sure. So one of my goals was to own my home outright. And I um, worked at that consistently making sacrifices over the years to pay off our home early. And even though, according to the financial experts, might have been wiser or to invest that money because my interest rate was low, it was important to me for a felt sense of safety in, the, in my body and in my life to pay off my home. On the other hand, I bought a rental property about 12 years ago, and that was just not a lovely experience. I lost a lot of money. It was a lot of stress. I am not cut out for that. So do not recommend. Actually, I do. I do. I, I do know people who successfully um, invest in that way, and it's just not for me. But um, so yeah, so not maybe what you expect, but I, I want to, I'll get into some different ideas around home, a sacred space and um, a place to fill up and increase joy. But before I do that, I do want to just say a couple more things that to sort of launch the conversation around home. One, I love um, the things you may not know about Krista. I also love books on finance and it is kind of funny to me because I've never been a big money maker. I, we chose to live on one income so that I could be at home with the kids. I homeschooled for 16 years, nested, um, carried all, you know, I was the primary emotional support and advocate for kid, all of our kids, etc. I loved that season. I also love my own running my own business and um, contributing to our, you know, the family income, etc. So that was lovely season. This is a lovely season. But um, anyway, so I I do like gleaning from financial books, and I've always been a budgeter. And even as a little kid, I loved adding up columns of figures. That was for some reason a joyful thing to me. You know, the um, the powers that be suggest that home should not cost more than 30% of gross income. And that includes utilities and taxes if you own and, and um, maintenance. And it's getting tougher and tougher for people in this economy, in this reality. That makes me very sad. One of my dreams is to help all of my children get into their first home in a way that makes sense for them. So my son died before we could do that. We wanted to, but he wasn't in a 
he wasn't well enough for us to go ahead and do that. Um, we've helped our daughter get into her first home and it delights me to no end that she's been decorating for Christmas. I don't know why that just, yeah, I feel joy over that. And our youngest is living in a city where there's a housing crisis going to university and thank goodness we found her a home, but it's not student digs, expensive and definitely challenging. So, but she has a safe home and, and, and I'm happy. I'm really grateful. Um, we always avoided being house poor. We just never wanted that. I value education, creativity, good food, etc. Um, you know, for the kids when they were younger, like good art supplies, music lessons. And for us, that meant being really, you know, pretty cautious about how much we were willing to put into a home. Anyway, all of that to say that I do believe that home is sacred space. Again, I'm not attached to a particular building. I think I can make home pretty much anywhere with my favorite people and, you know, and kind of piece together some of the things that help me feel at home. But how housing is a mental health issue. And while this whole conversation is not going to be about this, I, I want to say this. I talk about the brutal reality of losing my child. And one of the truths is that housing is a mental health issue. Lack of safe housing, affordable housing contributes to extreme stress, hopelessness, fear. Um, two of my children are artists, highly sensitive humans who, like their mama, don't fit naturally into hustle culture. And I could see the toll that that was taking on my son, even though he was young and you know, he could have leaned on us for more support and we would have helped him figure it out, figure out his own creative path. But the the creatives, a lot of neurodivergent people, not all, like some, um, you know, highly sensitive souls, like just a lot of humans in this world want something other than hustling to make ends meet. We don't care about stuff. We care about safety, right? We care about safety so that we can build soul honoring lives and bring our gifts to the world. And affordable housing is one of the things that make that possible. So again, even if it feels out of thin air that I'm bringing this up. I think it's related. Again, we're talking about feeling safe at home and joyful in our bodies and lives. And, and even though I haven't felt resourced enough or safe enough to have big, many big conversations around my stance on 
mental health. Um, this was an opportunity for me to just say that. I hope that, and I don't know why we can't do this. I, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me, but I hope to see more, you know, tiny home type communities being built, alternative housing, um, more creative forms of housing for people who don't care about, you know, big fancy homes. They just want a sustainable and soul honoring life so that they can thrive. All right, moving along. So physical home, our physical home is sacred space. Yet last week I talked about home in ourselves as sacred space. And, and I believe that our home is also sacred space. Now, does that mean everybody has safe housing? No. Does that mean that everybody feels the same way that I do about home? No, I'm sure that is not, you know, that's not the case. So I'm just offering this from my perspective. And, um, and I guess you'll decide what makes sense for you, what is true for you. So again, I am, I've never been attached to a building. So I, I love the environment in which I live, that we have local farmers that I get to get all sorts of food from, the mountains in my backyard, the, you know, moose and deer that come into my front yard and, and right up close to my living room window. I mean, it's just beautiful and I'm really grateful, but there's a lot of beautiful places in the world and I am open to moving. I'm open to new adventures. And um, I don't know if I'll move or not, but again, I can make home, I think, wherever my people are. But I've always needed that sense of safety in home. And part of that for me is being really boundaried around who and what we allow into our home. Not everybody is invited into my home. And honestly, not many people are invited into my home. I love family coming, my best friends coming. I love my kids coming home. And they're, when they would bring their, they still bring their friends home. Um, that makes me happy. It's a joyful thing for me but I'm not a host of large gatherings. That's not my thing. And yeah, and I'm just really boundaried around inviting people into the space because I feel, I feel their presence and it's, it's hard for me. It's not, um, it takes a lot out of me actually to, I'd rather go out of my home to visit somebody mostly and um, and then come back home and decompress. But part of physical home as sacred space, and and you know if we're thinking about like feeling safe at home and joyful in our bodies and our lives, it's valuable to think about you know what I already said: who and what do we allow in? Who gets access to you? But also things like what types of media do we listen to? 
you know, this we considering the sensory issues or needs of the people who live in the home, do we have spaces to be apart? So my family, we're all introverts and we love each other and we gather together and laugh and hang out and then we disperse and we need that time alone as well so that we can show up joyful in relationship. Reminds me, uh, my mom, she's been gone 21 years or so, but so long time ago, she talked to me about how she believed that it was really important that each child had even a tiny space that they could call their own. That was interesting because she raised 12 kids in a kind of basic bungalow like I live in, five bedrooms. Yep, five bedrooms. Um, so we all shared rooms growing up. And I think that's why she saw the need for that, like that we would all have these places to retreat to, even if they were small. So that's something that I kept in mind um, and, and, and valued and yeah, and just tried to make space for it in our home. Um, in you know, speaking about home a sacred place, we could also think about things like how do we as a family celebrate in meaningful ways? So that's something that we can think about as we navigate the holidays, right? Is is this even meaningful to me, or is it just more noise, more clutter, more obligation or expectation? And one of the gifts of being a stubborn questioner and freedom seeker is that really early on, I just let go of traditions that did not fill me with joy or did not align with my core values. Home is also training ground. So it's training ground in, for us, you know, even as at any age, because this is where if we feel safe, we learn to be in relationship. We learn hopefully healthy conflict skills. We learn emotional regulation. We learn how to use our voice and, um, you know, name and honor boundaries and take good care of ourselves and grow into our true selves. And if we have children or other people living with us, it is training ground for them as well. So one part of that for me was that I encouraged and facilitated, even though I didn't always do it perfectly. And sometimes my ego got in the way, etc. But I tried and I, you know, I continue to try to make space for dialogue, including freedom to disagree. I think that's really important. That even as family members who love each other and respect each other, we we get to have our own voices. We get to think for ourselves. We get to, to sift through challenging conversations and we do not have to come to consensus. And so from the time they were little to you know the ages that they are now as young adults, I love witnessing the fruit of that choice in our family and in our home. So a second point, similar but separate, is that something I think is valuable is to ask ourselves how we want to feel in our homes, feel or be. 
most of us have a tendency towards kind of doing or that focus on the task list and getting things done. And, um, and it can be helpful to pause and remember that home as sacred space is, is, you know, that's, this is where we decompress, right? This is where we heal or recover. And so asking, asking how we want to feel in the home can really help guide our choices. And when my children were younger, I read a blog post from a now, you know, friend and in it, um, we both homeschooled and she shared something along the lines of asking how she wanted her children to feel in the home. And that was like a light bulb moment for me because I was, you know, I had perfectionist tendencies. I, I'm very organized and stuff, but I can hyper-focus on, well, especially then I would hyper-focus on getting stuff done or maintaining order or what, you know getting through curriculum and forget about the person in front of me, forget about their emotional well-being, forget about, you know, relationship over rules. And so that was a beautiful invitation to growth for me and truly has just impacted my life ever since. So it shifted it shifted how I do things. So even if I'm doing the same tasks, it can shift the energy with which I do things and help me to be more compassionate and gentle also with the other humans that I do life with. Um, a part of that is that home needs to work for us. And so a couple thoughts here. One, you know, not everybody will agree, right? We don't have to agree. But for me, one of the things that I did that actually protected my relationship with my children was back off and not control their rooms. So I had, you know, some expectations in our living space, main living spaces, because I hate clutter and I hate mess and it distracts me and and it really stresses me out. And, but they got to, for the most part, just be responsible for their own spaces. And I could close the door. If their messes were bugging me, I could close the door. So apart from things like, you know, dirty dishes, anything that could attract bugs to the house or be a fire hazard, I guess, needed to be dealt with. But one of the humbling things for me is and was to release my own judgments and preconceived ideas about there's one right way to do things, including how to make home, you know, and the level of cleanliness or order. My comfort level is not necessarily everybody's comfort level and that doesn't make it wrong. So especially with my youngest with ADHD, I need to keep remembering to just be so proud of her to see how well she's doing with, you know, taking care of her own home and going to university and these big life changes that she's navigating with so much grace instead of focusing on, you know, whether or not I think she could vacuum again. Like just, so that's been, you know, that that's just part of my own work right now as well. Um, 
But yeah, so I think home can work for you. And I'll just move right into another point here, you know, around putting love into our homes. But I think home can be a birthplace of creativity as well as a birthplace of joy. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about home is that we get to make spaces that work for us or that truth tell, that express our values and the things that light us up, right? So what are the things that light me up? Well, it's not, clearly it's not like matching furniture, but it's books and art from my children, my friends, local artists. Um, it is learning and creativity. It's conversation, it's good food. So, and those are the things that have been expressed here. I'm not a hostess, right? I already said that. But for somebody who, and that's why I think I can live in it. I'm always drawn to these small little homes like cottages and stuff. Whereas somebody who loves the big family gatherings or hosting friends and stuff will want, you know, a bigger space to do that. And perhaps um, thinking of some of the women I know and work with, I I love how one of them I'm thinking of, she's been practicing this in her ways. And she's, I won't tell you her age, but she is a decent bit older than me. And I, it makes me very, very happy to see her expressing herself more fully in her own home and releasing what used to work or what she thought things should look like and actually setting up her environment in a way that really makes sense for who she is and the season she's in. So I do think putting love into our homes matters and, and that's going to look, you know, a million different ways isn't necessarily about money, but um, it can be. And one of the ways I, approach this sometimes in my work community is um, through decluttering. I just think a good old declutter is helpful at times so that we practice releasing what no longer serves us and makes making space for more of what we truly do want. And that can be stuff and, you know, like objects and clothing. It could be digital files. It could be your calendar. It could be, you know, um, systems in place like your meal planning or whatever just all the things that add up and can contribute to stress and anxiety um or can contribute to building a life that you want and helping you feel safe at home and joyful in your body and your life um Oh yeah, side note, if you want a home that's super beautiful and all your furniture looks wonderful, you probably should not bring cats into your home. I have learned that the hard way. They do bring a lot of joy, but they destroy things. All right, um, I get that this is a little rambly. I'm just scanning. Oh yeah, I do wanna actually, I wanted to touch on the clutter so there are studies around how clutter increases stress in the home, especially for women. And, you know, I suspect that's because women have traditionally been the um, person responsible for most of the workload in the home. And 
um, I, I guess I touched on this when I was speaking about my daughters and kind of like noticing my own judgment, etc. But it has been interesting for me to talk to different people and realize that. So I'm that way. Like, I don't like clutter. I have a minimalist wardrobe. I get rid of things. I don't, I don't like a lot of stuff. I love my favorite things. So like a, one good favorite um, coffee mug, like pottery mug or something. I'll use the same one every single day. Like I like, I like the things that I treasure to be good quality or like ones that bring me pleasure. So my agenda, <laughs> I, I just like, I love them. And so I get ones that I like, but I'm not a stuff person. And I also see the beauty in all, you know, diversity and in other home environments. I also see that other people have very different tolerance levels. And I don't think it's true that across the board, clutter or what I would see, perceive to be clutter increases stress for every person. Some people actually are maximalists, not minimalists, and they're delighted with, you know, way more things than I choose for myself or even with mess or disorder not everybody's wired my way thank goodness and and yeah I just I want to throw that out there um yeah so there's all sorts of ways to build a home that feels nurturing and joyful so one more point here is I wanted to just briefly chat about big joys small joys it's all joy so if we look at research, if we look at religious traditions or spiritual practices, there are a lot of different ideas and viewpoints on how to grow joy and or how to access joy. And because I spend a decent amount of time studying joy, and different viewpoints. Where I land today is that I, I think it all counts. I really do not believe there's one path at all. Um, and, and yeah, so that's why I say like, it's all joy. So simple pleasures can in our, in our day to day. So in our homes, can really increase joy. Now, some traditions will call those sensory pleasures and and believe that they are more um is the word transitory like they're they leave more quickly, they're not longer lasting and so they're less important. So some people practice non-attachment to sensory pleasures and instead focus on other forms of joy. The, the studies though are clear and certainly my own lived experience is that it all counts. It's all wonderful. It can all help build a beautiful life. So, you know, those simple pleasures, that's one way that we can build home that feels safe and joyful. 
you know, the things like my morning French press, um, seeing a stack of books waiting to be read, like just plants. I like house plants. I'm not great at keeping them all alive, but I like house plants or, you know, there's just these things that they, if I will notice them, like actually be present to the beauty in my life and the joy in my life and savor it and express gratitude for it, it really increases my day-to-day joy level. So yeah, plants die. And your coffee, you drink it and then it's gone, but tomorrow you get a new one. Um, And to me though, I kind of think like, you know how if you make a homemade meal, it can take a lot of time and, and then it's gone like in 20 minutes. Well, does that mean it's not worth worth it because I think that act of love and it can be pleasure too the color the smells the creation the expression of love for your family for instance that can be that in and of itself can increase joy even before the actual appreciation of the meal itself or sharing the meal so I think building a life even a simple life of where we are consciously scanning for the beauty and the joy and savoring and expressing gratitude for all of these little small things. I think that really adds up and it really fills us up. Now you could have all sorts of goodness and beauty in your life and not see it, not be present to it. And then it means nothing, right? So it is about that choice to be present to and savor, etc. Now, those big joys, quote unquote, often come from things that are like um, things like belonging, connection, nature, self-compassion, love for self or others, sense of meaning or purpose and generosity. So joy does tend to, the research says, joy tends to be amplified or grow when we share it with others. And so that could include like sharing an experience with somebody and it could also be spilling over you know being generous with other people or giving contributing to say a humanitarian crisis or something but just giving of ourselves that tends to also increase joy and those are the things that are generally considered kind of quote unquote the big joy or the more lasting stuff But again, I think it all counts. I think it's all important. Um, All right. So I'm going to wrap up this sort of rambly conversation on home. I would love to hear from you, though, if you want to share your thoughts or takeaways. So what I am enjoying. So I happened upon this guy on Instagram. His handle on Instagram is Caleb W. Simpson. Caleb with a C, um, and he's also on TikTok and YouTube. But his, I, I just actually read an article today in preparation for this. I did not know this. Currently, he makes like $100,000 a month with his channel. And what he does is go out into the streets of New York with a microphone and ask people, how much do you pay for rent in New York City? 
And then he asks if he can have a tour of their home. And it's just a lot of fun. I'm just really enjoying it. It feeds the geeky brain that is fascinated by how much people pay for their homes, like rent or otherwise, or, and there's really alternative places. Like some people live in a bus and some people renovated a loft and, you know, whatever, and all different income ranges. But then you get to peek inside these really unique and creative spaces. And occasionally he goes to different cities in the world. So that's just that's actually bringing me joy right now. It's lots of fun. Um, so imperfect action. One thought is that you just kind of scan your own home and either ask yourself, you know, how do I want to feel here? Or how do I want these people I love to feel in the home and sit with that for a bit and just see what bubbles up um, in response, you know, maybe you've been experiencing a challenge and, and some wisdom will kind of come up from the deep when you sit with that intention or that question. But another option here could be to scan again and choose one corner of your home that could use some love. You know, it could be a closet that's weighing you down. It could be that your bedroom doesn't feel conducive to good sleep or intimacy because it's just got crap everywhere. <laughs> you know, it could whatever. It could be your garage. It doesn't matter. Just is there a little space or corner of your home? It could be as small or big as you have capacity for. Just a, a space, a way to put some extra love into your sacred space over the next couple of weeks or so. So I would love to invite you to join me in the Brave and Beautiful Community Winter Session. The Winter Session begins January 15th. It runs January, February, March. Um, a few of the three or four things that we're talking about in the Winter se um, Session, one, feeling safe at home and joyful in our body and life, and that will include permission to feel. So talking about how to hold space for joy and pain, um, how to practice paradox, which allows us to do that work, to living on purpose and walking out our values, three, relationship to our environment. And that could be, you know, um, really appreciating and exploring our local spaces, which a lot of people don't always do. So the nature, the local foods, the history, etc., And nourishing habits, rhythms, and rituals that you could weave into your home to help you feel safe at home and joyful in your body and life. And that's not, you know, the full picture, but that's just a little snapshot of kind of what we're talking about. The big theme is relationship to home and grounding yourself. Alrighty. Yeah. So you can book a free chat with me if you want to, if you're curious about joining the community, but have some questions for me and you want some help to make sure that it is a great fit for you. I, I don't want you to join unless it is a great fit and I will help you um, sift through your questions and make sure before you join. Until next time, and next time will be in 
a few weeks. I'm taking the next two weeks off. Until next time, make peace with messiness to make space for joy. Thanks for being here with me.